Good morning. Welcome back to the Broadcast Retirement Network. I'm Jeff Snyder. This is BRNAM for Friday, December 2nd, 2022. And our top story today, how to save America from another fraudster. And joining me now to discuss this and a lot more, Caleb Johnson is the co-founder of Harbor Policy LLC and Harbor Macro Strategies LLC. Well, Caleb, it's great to see you. Thanks so much for joining us on the program this morning. Thanks for having me. Glad to be here. Yeah, and, I, and we're we're talking about your op-ed that you wrote for the New York Post. I love that publication, by the way. They had the best Real Housewives coverage, too. Um, but I want to ask you something very serious about fraud. And yeah. um, you, you wrote about Elizabeth Holmes, who was the CEO of Theranos. Mm -hmm. She was recently convicted and uh, sentenced, I think, to over 11 years in, in prison, I think, to be served beginning in 2023. But I guess my, my broader question is, uh, how do we detect people like Elizabeth Holmes, whether if we're a fiduciary or and we're on the board or we're an investor just looking to invest in a company for the long term? Right. Right. Absolutely. Well, I guess the first thing to start off with is to recognize that uh, we're probably all going to be um, vulnerable to being taken in by really charismatic individuals. And if there's one thing that Elizabeth Holmes was, it's charismatic. Um, but the lessons that uh, stuck out to me about the whole Theranos saga uh, were that sometimes investors, uh, especially venture capital investors, um, fall prey to some traps that some investors in other parts of the capital markets ecosystem have learned how to avoid. Um, one of those is simply like recognizing the limits on how much you can outsource your own due diligence. So, you know, we saw that a lot of the blue chip VCs in Silicon Valley who had hard biotech expertise passed on Theranos. And so a lot of the investors who made up the core uh, for Theranos were folks who were perhaps sophisticated investors, at least compared to you know the average citizen, but didn't actually have a lot of expertise in this specific realm. And so they evaluated making an investment in Elizabeth Holmes and Theranos based on other criteria, especially criteria that were really hard to quantify and analyze. Um, and I think when, when we get outside of what we can analyze quantifiably, uh, we were open to making a few more mistakes. Um, we evaluate perhaps based on appearance or based on a gut feel. Um, that's certainly what you heard at least a handful of her investors say uh, when they were defending her. Um, you're vulnerable to taking other people's word for something. Um, so when you hear a really impressive board member, uh, but maybe they're impressive for you know, a career completely outside the space that Theranos was in, say that they vouch for her, well, you're more likely to take their word for it since you know that you don't have expertise in that field yourself. Yeah. And, and I mean, she was lauded for many, many years. And, uh, you know, I mean, you can't argue with the mission. I think the mission really no. made sense. But when you looked at the quantifiable, you know, the, the actual tactical moves that she was doing to create the Edison, um, you know, the, the, the results just weren't there. From your perspective, um, and maybe I'm getting a little bit ahead because I, I, as you're talking, I'm thinking of a thousand questions that I want to ask you. But but in terms of venture capital, um, are there some lessons that they have learned? Are they being more are venture capital firms being more judicious with their dollars as a result of John Kerry, Kerry's story, uh, this whole saga? 
Well, as I said in the piece, I don't want to paint with too, uh, too broad sure. a brush. And there are some very sophisticated venture investors. I've been privileged to work with some of them who have made excellent investments and uh, really analyze and get into the details uh, and, and don't operate on a trust your gut uh, model. And I would never want to uh, put them into this same category. But uh, I, you know, I'm not sure. Um, I think there's actually still uh, a lot of hunger for investing in startups, and that's good. We want to celebrate that. Um, but that's that's been the million dollar question that people have been asking for a few years: is uh, is Theranos and like are the lessons actually going to be learned? Is there going to be a more judicious evaluation? of promising young startups. And I'm not sure, I'm not sure actually that there is because there's a lot of FOMO uh, in the investing community. So when there's a potentially compelling entrepreneur knocking at your door asking for cash, uh, you may be worried that your competitors at another firm are going to invest in them or beat you out to a certain round. And my worry is that we won't actually learn a lot of lessons from this. Yeah, and let me ask you uh, before, one more question before we go to commercial break. What about the, the 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 person creating a startup? I mean, there's got to be some lessons there, um, uh, you know. Maybe besides don't dress in black, um, don't try to. Co I, and I'm joking, and I don't mean to be flip about that. I mean it's obviously very important. Yeah. But are there some lessons <clears throat> for entrepreneurs out there um, looking to make pitches? I mean, is it bring more quantifiable data with you? If you don't have it, don't right. pitch. Well. I wouldn't say that's actually the lesson for all entrepreneurs because a lot of the time there simply isn't a, a ton of data that you can bring to describe why your idea might be successful. Of course, bring all the data, bring all the numbers that you have. But one uh, one thing to avoid is to not try and make your idea or your product seem more singular or unique than it really is. Um, I see that a lot of the time um, when young uh, would-be startup entrepreneurs or startup founders want to pitch their business as something that's never been done before. Um, it's truly unique. It's truly singular. And uh, the implication when you're making that claim is therefore there's nothing to compare it to, right? Or maybe they compare it to something in another industry, right? My idea is the X of this. Well, when, when you do that, um, consciously or unconsciously, it's a little bit trying to pull the wool over an investor's eyes. Uh, most of the time, what you're doing is it may be um, revolutionary, but it's probably not. Um, it's probably something that's an improvement on what came before it, or it could actually be uh, a business that is, um, you know, something that already exists elsewhere in the marketplace, but you're you're doing a better job at it. Maybe you think you're going to be able to implement better. Um, so just be very sober-minded about uh, how unique uh, your idea or your product actually is. Um, and don't be afraid of your idea or your product being compared to other products in the marketplace um, and be able to point out how you actually differentiate from them. Yeah. Well, Caleb, as I said, I need to take a very quick break. When we come back, we'll talk more about entrepreneurship and how to avoid fraudsters and a lot more. You're going to want to stay tuned right here on BRN AM. Imagine 
a new television network that will make you richer, healthier, and in control of your financial future. This network is for the policewoman in Nashville, Tennessee, the baker in Dubuque, Iowa, the teacher in Lexington, Kentucky. We want to make the idea of savings and retirement culturally relevant. But what do you see as a defining issue of the midterms? Especially for the smaller businesses, I mean, they are the lifeblood of the American economy. Featuring exclusive interviews, current affairs, and docu-series. 33 yeah. years old, you retired early. The philosophy is money only matters if it helps you live a life that you love. But you gotta start thinking about retirement as soon as you get in. The Broadcast Retirement Network will drive very high engagement with premium partnerships. So this isn't retirement and savings for your parents or grandparents. This is for all Americans. And we're gonna change the way you think about money. Welcome to the next frontier of retirement and savings. This is BRN, the Broadcast Retirement Network. Are you stuck with a low credit score, a credit report and score that's causing you to be denied credit or pay higher interest rates than others for the same things? Then do what Terrence did and called Credit Repaired for your free credit evaluation to help restore your credit. I started thinking about buying a new house and my score wasn't where I needed it to be. I called and spoke with one of the representatives and we just had a good conversation and I, I liked what he was saying. Just one call for his free credit evaluation was all it took to start back on the track to repairing his credit. I'm seeing the deletions and I'm getting the report so I know something's being done. It does make a difference to me. All it takes is one call to get started. Credit repair has given me a second chance to have a better credit score. Don't let a low credit score hold you back another day. Do what Terrence did and make the call for your free credit evaluation. Call 800-819-4152. That's 800-819-4152. Again, 800-819-4152. Welcome back. We're talking this morning to Caleb Johnson. He is the co-founder of Harbor Policy LLC and Harbor Macro Strategies LLC. Well, Caleb, thanks so much for sticking with us this morning. Really appreciate having you back for segment number two. For sure. All right, let's, uh, let's talk about some lessons here for investors. And you had a really good analogy. Um, what are some things that we can take away as individual investors or institutional investors looking at things like startups and things we don't understand? Sure. Uh, there was an article, I think, the other day in the New York Times uh, about how the New York Philharmonic is, uh, I, I think, the most diverse in its players that it never has been. Um, and it struck me that one one thing investors can learn from uh, hiring in other industries uh, is from the music community. So when professional musicians are auditioning for a place in a top tier orchestra, they'll usually do so from behind a curtain. And the point of that is to not distract the conductor or the members of the selection committee with anything that doesn't actually matter. They just want to focus on what matters. What's the sound coming from that instrument? How does that person play? And 
unfortunately, uh, Elizabeth Holmes was really good at distracting investors with a lot of things that didn't matter, right? So uh, she was a pretty good communicator. Maybe that does actually matter sometimes for, for startup entrepreneurs. Um, but investors would have been better served by stripping away everything from the picture that didn't actually matter and just focusing on the data that did. Um, so you might even argue that uh, investors could have been better served by not actually engaging with someone directly like Ms. Holmes, uh, again, who's very charismatic, kind of eccentric, uh, presented it as this really kind of young phenom and just focused uh, on what was on the paper in front of them um, and and conducting due diligence really dispassionately. Uh, yeah. yeah. Yeah, really. I mean, it's really important. And and you're right. There are lessons in other industries. And, and, and if there's one competitive uh, organization that I know about or, or industry, it's uh, orchestra. Uh, I mean, there, there are many, many people competing to play in the New York Philharmonic, the Baltimore Symphony, like how I lumped Baltimore in, uh, and the Cleveland uh, Orchestra. Let me ask you about the role of regulators. Is there a role, what role should regulators play on new issues or maybe not new issues, but, um, or maybe it was a new issue uh, in, in startups and, and venture capital and, and investors here? Yeah. Well, that is tricky because I think there's the opportunity for regulators to take the wrong lesson uh, from the Theranos saga. Um, traditionally, uh, regulation in the United States has come from, um, it's been disclosure based. Uh, so we don't want to um, basically discourage investors generally from investing in what they see as fit for themselves. We want investors to be able to make their own decisions and decide uh, what's the right amount of risk for them. Um, and we, you know, we don't want to create a moral hazard either by suggesting that the government is going to perform your due diligence for you as an investor. So really, I think the only, only area for the SEC to examine here is whether or not they um, appropriately identified fraud uh, early and whether they responded to anything that was presented to them that, um, you know, presented a legitimate concern. But, you know, there's a limit to, to what we can accomplish through regulation. So we need to protect investors from fraud, but I'm not sure actually if the SEC could have really prevented uh, investors from being taken in by Theranos. Maybe at yeah, some and, point um, in the process, but early on, uh, very difficult, if not impossible, to um, involve themselves in conversations between startup founders and their early investors. My last question is around influencers. And, and I just want to bring up FTX for a second, because right. that is a story in the news for the last couple of weeks that has uh, a significant impact on <clears throat> retail investors as, as well as institutional investors of cryptocurrency, what role uh, or what, what is that? You know, there's a lot of people who are cheerleaders and they, they are investors themselves and they want to incorporate, encourage other people. It's almost like a validation in a way, but I mean, I'm not going to name the influencers. It doesn't matter. Right. What is the, right. uh, what, I'm sorry. Oh, right. I was saying, you know, there were some in the VC community, including some from a popular television show that I won't name, um, who were some of Sam Bankman Freed's boosters. Uh, yep. And then there were also, um, you know, actors who were uh, boosters. I, 
You know, there, there are some big differences between SBF and Elizabeth Holmes. I think two of the biggest being Sam Bankman Freed wasn't playing with people's lives. Um, he wasn't building a, a health company. And uh, also, it does appear that uh, SBF actually built something that didn't work, um, at least in a lot of instances for a lot of people. Um, it appears that there was serious malfeasance and it looks like fraud, but they did actually build an exchange that people transacted on. Um, whereas Elizabeth Holmes, you know, even after a decade of Theranos being in existence, really hadn't developed a, uh, a serious working product, at least not close to the level that she claimed. So they are different. And you know, one of the things I warned in the piece was equating eccentricity with genius. I don't think Elizabeth Holmes was a genius. Uh, for all I know, Sam Bangman Freed might be. He appears very smart. Um, one of the things that gave me pause was when I saw uh, Giselle Bündchen, I think, you know, do do a billboard for them. Um, Larry David doing an ad for them right in the Super Bowl. Uh, if you're an investor, and here we're not talking about VC investors, but if you're a, a, you know, a retail investor thinking about investing on an exchange, you might ask yourself uh, why someone like an actor who has no substantive financial expertise, uh, maybe, you know, maybe they do, but they don't appear to, why, why are they pitching this product to you? Why are they pitching this exchange? Um, and, and try and tune that out. Yeah, yeah, really, really important. And I think we're seeing more of this, it's not just, by the way, investing, it's it's good, all different goods, lipsticks and perfumes yeah. and clothing. I mean, there's a lot of things that people are, are advocating for and maybe that requires a little bit more due diligence on the part of the of the purchaser, the consumer. Sure, okay. sure. And no, no one's ahead. arguing for someone to go through some exhaustive due diligence process for buying a product that they saw advertised to them on Instagram. But being at least aware of what our vulnerabilities are when we're being sold something, be it uh, a venture investment or uh, an everyday retail product. Um, being aware of how we're influenced uh, goes goes a long way towards disarming um, that influence. Yeah, really important, really great takeaways. Kayla, thanks so much for joining Thank us. You. And we look forward to having you back on the program again very soon, my friend. It was a pleasure, thanks for having me. And that wraps up this episode of BRNAM. Have a topic of interest, somebody you think we should talk to, drop us a line. And don't forget, for all the latest curated news in lifestyle, wellness, finance, tech, so much more in all in one place, check out today's edition of our daily newsletter, The Morning Pulse. Want to search our archives, check out our latest content, or visit our website and, of course, all of our streaming partners. We're back again tomorrow for BRN Weekly. We'll be taking a look back at some of our best segments for the week. Until then, I'm Joe Snyder. Stay safe, keep on saving, and don't forget, roll with the changes. Now is your opportunity to co-create content around any topic on the first lifestyle and wellness network. Reach a global audience through our platform and co-own exclusive branded content. All of our programs are available on demand and also as audio-only podcasts so you can take us on the go. Broadcast Retirement Network, available anytime, anywhere, and on any device.